Hello and welcome to When Will It End? It's a horny podcast that's all about getting laid and seeing boobs. And this is, of course, uh, our big episode. Everyone's waiting for this one. We are a film podcast that covers the finest works of the cinematic canon. We've covered movies like RoboCop, a movie about a robot cop. It's very good. We've covered movies like Terminator, a movie about a robot murderer. Also very good. Now we've expanded our repertoire of commentary to one of the most beloved franchises in American history. I speak, of course, of American Pie. And yes, finally, Charles and I have dispensed with those irritating, ooh, it was released in a cinema movies of the first three. And we're finally digging into the real, mm, the grit and the juice of this horny, horny series. I speak, of course, of the four direct-to-video American Pie presents movies. Charles, welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh, this is this last week I described a miniature Eugene Levy stabbing something. I don't remember. It was an uncorporeal thing, hoping for the essence to flow into a new body. I'm not going to fuck around, Josh. Yeah. My this is my second favorite American Pie movie. I love this already. <laughs> I think this is objectively a fascinating film. I took an unbelievable amount of notes on this one. And I think this is one of those ones where we really have to dig into the notes and go through the movie chronologically. Because at almost every twist and turn of American Pie Presents Colin Bandcamp, we are just so many questions about life are put before us. I, as we, we, we experience the Stiffmeister 2. Yeah. Um, first question, why do you think they introduced that colon? I feel like... American Pie Presents Bandcamp doesn't really need the colon. I think, again, they knew that they, they were sitting on a gold mine with the American Pie cinematic universe. And they were like, let's set up the American Pie Presents colon just to get that out of the way. Okay. Again, they made four of these, which is a treasure trove that we get to sift through, starting here with 2005's Bandcamp. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, I, I think it's, I read in the tri- a trivia thing that this was supposed to be a standalone movie starring Sean William Scott. Um, and this was supposed to be his um, Sharpay. And if anyone isn't subscribed to our Patreon, we did a whole episode on the spinoff for High School Musical starring Sharpay. And if you remember from last week, I really hated Sean William Scott's performance in 3. I didn't think it worked. And this is everything I would have wanted from a hey, look, we're actually going to focus on Stifler this time. And this new kid, whoever his fucking name is, uh, he... Okay, well, hold on. This is the film that launched Tad Hilgenbrink's career. So let's show some respect to the Tad Hilgenbrink's name. Okay? Yeah. Okay, Tad. Tad, you you are a better Stifler than Stifler. And it's so, like, it just... Ugh, ugh, this I, is a wild take. I, I do not agree with you, but I, I obviously I don't give a shit because we're talking about American Pie Percent's Bandcamp. So I'm consider me... Uh, I have front row tickets to what should be the most riveting show in podcast land uh, this week. But, Charles, I think we should, just in full honesty, reveal to our listeners how we actually met. We met at a horny podcasting camp. Yeah. And this one time at podcast camp, uh, Charles was trying to get Randy video shots of the podcast counselors in the showers. And I was too afraid to talk to uh, one of the my fellow campers who was Wait. a goth. I was your your Jewish roommate. Yeah, you're saying that you're the little nerd that builds robots, and I'm the stiffmeister. Yeah, I'm friggin' Ernie uh, Misplicablix. Uh, let me see, Ernie 
Kaplowitz, um, of course, played on the screen by the great Jason Earls. So uh, great. Who you may know as Rudy Gillespie in the Disney XD series Kicking It. I do um, not. He's an actor, comedian, and martial artist. <laughs> Did not know that. <laughs> Um, anyways, and yes, I, I was too afraid to talk to this girl I had a crush on, and Charles just wanted to get upskirts and boob pics, and yeah. and we sort of worked out a relationship and became good friends. Yeah, I mean, this was pre-YouTube, this was pre-any like any sort of video, so it was all in JPEG format, posted on forums, but I, st- I still wanted it. Oh, who? I mean, hey, we all want some upskirts, nip slips, uh, boob flashes, etc., some showering vids. Um the 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 video quality that uh, the Stiffmeister's getting in this 2005 spy chest gear is remarkable. It's very good. It's like 4K. He's getting like <laughs> I don't think my phone takes photos as well as the Stiffmeister's gear. I mean, he did get it from spychest.com, which is an actual website. And now I think it directs, redirects to spytech.com. Um, but that was a real place where you could buy this shit and. Honestly, having um, a montage where I forget what it starts with, but it's got what Good Charlotte playing in the background, which is pretty, uh, pretty rocking music, if you ask me. Pretty rocking music. We've gotten some Good Charlotte already in the series, but this was, you know, motivate me. I want to get myself out of that bed. And for me, I went to Jewish summer camp in real life. So that that song, my counselor played for me a lot. So I want to just point something out here. Listening to that Good Charlotte song, it's a song about like. These well-off dorks from Maryland, good Charlotte, being like, it's a good life. That's what I'm told. But everything, it all just feels the same. And something about the like ludicrous entitlement and privilege of that general sentiment is exactly what this series is all about. Yeah. Like, life – Stifler's st- – excuse me, the Stiffmeister, which is how we'll differentiate or, – or Stifler 2. Mm. Um, we can uh, – What about – I mean, his name is what, Matt? Matt, Matt Stifler, his budget to buy spy equipment it had the real is price. remarkable. <laughs> $300 on a hat cam. And he, he buys so much shit. And like he's what, like 17 presumably because yeah. he's going into his senior year? Right. I don't under – the family – Stifler's family, and I want to start here. Stifler's family raises so many questions. Now, Stifler's mom famously – the seemingly undersexed smoke show who keeps smashing it with Finch throughout the first three Wait, movies. Wait, why do you think she's undersexed? Because she keeps hurling herself at a child. Maybe she wants it. Maybe she's... She, I'm saying she clearly wants it. It seems like... Now, we don't... Huh, I didn't get that take. aren't I, divorced, right? I, I would say... We don't say, really know. I would say either he... We don't know. We've never seen Stifler's dad, right? That's my. That's the big question I have with this movie. I think what he, kind of. I'm going to read this when I wrote down. Um. Uh, uh. Yeah. What kind of male role model could create the Stifler brothers? Well, I th- it seems like he's either dead, or abandoned them. I would not say that the, this is like a. I don't think they he they live with the the father. I think that they they remain married, but he's absent from both their lives and his wife's life, and she is undersexed, thus her constant need to be smashed out by the Finch. Huh. I, I read this totally differently, and this is, I guess, why we have this podcast, because we both mm. – we watch the same thing, the exact same thing, and yet, uh, based on what, nurture, maybe nature, who knows? Uh, we have different ideas. I think she is an – Oh, not even over. I think she is a perfectly sexed woman who enjoys the penis of all varieties. But particularly, as she says in the first film, 
something aged 18 years. Well, yeah. I mean, she likes an 18-year-old one, but she also might like a 60-year-old one. I don't know that... I think in the same way that, you know, we're chatting and I might be like, oh, yeah, I like a double IPA. That doesn't mean I don't dislike, I dislike a stout. I don't dislike a wild ale fruited with plums, you know? Just because I say one thing once doesn't mean it gets rid of all the other options in my life. I'm saying she has shown a specific interest in young meat. And you know what? You're right. We, we can't presume too much beyond I, that. I guess we all tell ourselves a different story about the Stiflers, the family Stifler. I think so. I mean, here's the thing is we only – she's she's only showing interest in young meat in these movies. But it seems like she's pre- like specifically driving – in her famously, you know, expensive cars to see Tinted Finch. windows, leather interior. Every time she knows Finch is going to be there. This seems like, you know, you've talked about your trysts in the previous episodes where you might drive to Chicago for some titties. I feel like Stifler's mom was, you know, banging some some guy she met at a, you know, a Okay, a, I said a that, that was a long time ago. So right. just don't just idly throw that out there, for Christ's sake. <laughs> You'll listen, everyone, if you didn't understand the reference, just listen. Josh was... Oh, Jesus. It's all, it, don't, it doesn't matter. Great. Thank you, Charles. I'm just saying, okay, she, she, she probably was banging somebody she met somewhere else and was like, she gets, a, don't... Call, she gets a call from Stifler, Stephen Stifler, and he's like, hey, we're throwing a party and Finch is going to be there. She throws that cock away and drives in a Mercedes. Hold on, he wouldn't mention that Finch was going to be there. She, uh, he might have. No, he wouldn't. He's very insecure about Finch and his mom's relationship. Okay, we have to move past this. Here's this what we've learned much. about okay. Stephen Stifler. Okay, yeah. Stephen Stifler has become a soft poor, soft yes. poor porn producer. My first note is, why did Stifler go from coaching like high school football to the porn to industry? producing, right. <laughs> we learn a lot in this movie pretty quickly that kind of blew my mind. So, okay, so... Um, Stephen Stifler's become a soft core porn producer, and now there's pressure on Matt Stifler to uh, join, as he calls it, the family business. Now, mm. again, we don't know if this means that the Stifler clan writ large creates soft core pornography, because the pornography, like many of the fantasies in this in this movie, I, I find that the the sexual acts are a lot crazier than the actual fantasies. The fantasies are all pretty. Like, they they seem to imagine seeing boobs. You know what I mean? Well, when you say Mostly, the fantasy, are you talking about just this movie with that masturbation scene? Or are you talking, like, throughout the we'll, entire... We'll, we'll get to Matt's masturbation yeah, yeah, yeah. scene in the, in, the, a, in the room with the shit-clogged toilet. It's a great uh, and, scene. And it's an important scene in understanding <laughs> Matt Stifler. Yeah. I'm so happy right now. This is great. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so S- Steve Stifler's making what looks like kind of classic Girls Gone Wild, which, again, in 2020, it's hysterical to talk about what is a very quaint and wholesome version of pornography you Wait, know just girls like, does that still exist it doesn't I seem mean, like I it imagine. should it must be like a, a legacy like a legacy thing at this point yeah it's it's like what a yeah it shouldn't exist anymore it's too wholesome yeah. for 2020 porn i think right the idea is like would a, a young woman flash her breasts on a beach at a party yeah i mean that's something that happens in society and it's i don't i think people are less excited about that as they are in a world where you can summon up the most genuinely upsetting to pray pornography with almost zero effort i, I i've um, done it many times by accident just trying to you know i'm sure you have find a recipe for something and i summon it up okay so stifler wants to join his older Wait, brother stifler and possibly the rest of his family or stifler. matt stifler wants okay. to join stephen stifler and possibly other stiflers we just don't know we do not know and i like that it, this is it this we right. talked about storytelling before this is the work like if they went through it had a 20 minute opening montage about the stiflers and their booming porn industry Snoozer. I kind of want 
more – I hope this series dives deeper into the Stifler <laughs> family because it's truly uh, a fascinating group of people. OK. So Stifler uh, in the movie early on – Matt Stifler, excuse me – decides to show – flex a little uh, a little dick on the departing seniors by covering the band's instruments in pepper spray, which raised my first question of the film – how was pepper spray used in the world of American Pie? Because in this movie, <laughs> it's very specific in its impact and effects on people. Namely, he like soaks these instruments in pepper spray, but it kind of takes a while for people to notice that they're soaked in pepper spray. Have you ever been around pepper spray? I've been uh, tear gassed by the Israeli Defense Force. Yeah, and I accidentally pepper sprayed myself, basically. Well, I wasn't. it wasn't me doing it, but I was around when someone was like, I don't even remember what happened, but they just sprayed pepper spray in their kitchen sink, either to test it out to make sure it's still working or even just to see. And it was awful. So it's not a, you don't, it's not like a, what, what would be anything remotely like spraying something and then 20 minutes later, it suddenly starts activating. Not how it works. Uh, Okay. So Stifler, Matt Stifler gets in big time trouble. Okay, gets in big time trouble for his big prank. And of course, it involves pissing off, oh God, the unfortunately forgettable Ariel Kebbles character, the main love interest. What's her name? Elise? Yes, Elise. Who I really, got one. I liked Elise a lot. I'm proud of you. You got something right there. So Elise is mad at Matt Stifler. Matt Stifler goes to the guidance counselor. Wait, you forgot a here. very important scene. Okay, between please. that, uh, the first moment of many where we see his bare ass. That's true. He is trying to wash pepper spray off of his penis in a water fountain, so the whole school sees him. What looks like jacking off into a water fountain, bare ass naked. It's. Uh, I'm. I'm just gonna say that one of the things I liked about this movie was that it was unafraid. <laughs> <laughs> I like. It didn't display the restraint that we've come to know from what? the American Pie series, which I mean, is barely a joke. They are ultimately yes. relatively wholesome films. And from all t- like sex comedies, this has so much cum in it, so much ass in it, and male ass. Uh, it's got him literally fucking an instrument. Like this is it. Talk. And we're going to talk about the san- the fantasy scene where he masturbates. But like this actually gets into the sex that I have felt so lacking in the previous three films. Wow, we're going to learn a lot about you and Stifler, Matt Stifler, in this in this episode. I think the fans are already standing at attention. If you catch my drift, I do. Their penises erect. Their yeah, yeah. You're leaving that to. I'm going to okay. Um, all of their genitals of whatever genitals they happen to have are uh, soaked, rigid. I don't know. Have fun out there, everybody. What about um, assholes? Are they assholes? What's going on there? Clenched. clenched. Absolutely clenched. Not, not open and accepting? It's not really how that... Doesn't They don't just open. Okay, can we get into this later? I just opened mine. Okay, yeah, let's do okay. it later. Thank you for that, Charles. So, yes, Stifler, Matt Stifler, mind you, is sent to the guidance counselor's office. And here we get uh, our first returning all-star. Yes, yes, I speak, of course, of Chris Owen as the Shermanator, who absolutely nails Stifler in a pretty amazing monologue about, like, just how and, – and Matt Stifler is a vile, unpleasant, charmless asshole. And Shermanator is like, yeah, you and your whole family are just like the worst people in the world. Your brother was – was hated and despised and a terrible person. And I, I kind of like this is movie is I think supposed to be a comedy, but mostly I found to be quite dramatic because everyone's behavior is very intense and uh, 
it's mostly about like what seems like uh, uh, you know Jim's dad, who is named Noah Levinson in this film, yeah, you know, outright Paul named. Stifler a sociopath, which I loved in this movie, and it's like Matt Stifler, you're trying to emulate the actions of like someone who feels no compassion or empathy for the world around him. So in, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a like a, a Joker style coming of age of, of like a villain. I found. Yeah, sort of. But he, unlike the Joker who becomes full villain, by the end of this movie, we get a more believable uh, turn of events, like him finally becoming a good person than happened in American Wedding. I'm happy that for you, you found that satisfaction. I mean, I think his behavior in this movie, even at the end, especially at the end, is particularly bizarre and extreme. Like, the, the way he redeems himself is in a absolutely psychotic manner but we'll we'll get to that later we'll get there okay so stifler is gets in trouble for his big stunt at the the senior graduation event because uh, he again pepper sprays the orchestra so the guidance counselor's big shermanator his move is like let's send stifler to summer camp with the orchestra he is just brutalized with pepper spray see the shermanator as we learn later in the movie is like he's thinking like a chess master 20 moves ahead, 30 moves ahead, like all the way. He thinks of all the moves and he knows that there's nothing you can do at band camp other than become a band geek. Fucking Jim was there for, what, 10 minutes and immediately transformed him into his band geek self. Well, hold on. He had to do some sex stuff. He had to get a trumpet put in his butt. It wasn't just like, I don't want you to diminish Jim's experience at at Tall Oaks. I'm just saying that even after the one moment where he accidentally becomes beady, he learned so much about himself by just entering the grounds of Twin Oaks. That's true. And of course, so much more happens. With I the, think it's Tall Oaks. I think it's Tall Sorry. Oaks. Sorry. I was thinking sort of like Back to the Future, maybe. I think you're thinking of, yeah, Twin Pines Twin Pine Mall, Mall. Yeah. or Twin Peaks, the popular sure. uh, series by the one David Lynch. This didn't happen at um, Twin Pine Mall? As no. uh, To the best of my knowledge, uh, this happens mostly in the greater Michigan area. Uh, yeah, so I'm just saying, like, the Shermanator, as we find later, and is is beautiful. We'll talk about it when we get there. But uh, he knew all along this was going to be a magical, stimulating experience in every way. We No, we mocked the Shermanator. But in, indeed, he was a few steps ahead. Again, as his eventual sexual success with Nacha mm-hmm. in American Pie 2 shows us, the Shermanator kind of got more right than he has wrong. Yeah, I think um, the whole Shermanator bit is wrong. But every yeah, but it keeps working for him. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. Hold on. Let's. I don't. What objectively is wrong about the Shermanator's approach? It leads him to co- sexual congress with Nadia. Uh, it leads him to a job working with young people to set them on the right path. Wait, you think he and, went to the job interview with the superintendent of schools and said, "This is the Shermanator." No, I'm not saying he has to actually do the bit every time. But oh, clearly, okay. this is the guiding ethos. Though he throws in some Star Trek stuff in this. I know the Star that Day was things. weird. Yeah. I don't. Know, I feel like Shermanator, stay in your lane. You're doing great as the Shermanator. You know, bringing in the Star Trek stuff is ultimately confusing. Right, because there are scenes in the Terminator. We're referencing a point where he brings out a microphone and is like, Stardate, 2005, blah, blah, blah. But aren't there moments where uh, the main characters of the Terminator series make voice memos for each other? He could have been like, what's her name? The the main lady of Terminator. She makes recordings for her son. Lindell. Yeah, Lindell. She says, um, you'll listen to this. She says Stardate. No, that's what I'm saying. They could have been like, John okay, Connor, right, one day you'll, right. you'll listen to this. Charles, we're going to wind down. We're going to wind down. This is a reach. Okay. So Matt Siffler gets to band camp and immediately 
is just an insufferable prick right off the bat. He meets the the fancy evil. By the way, the, the single best thing you can do in a summer camp comedy is have a snooty rich kid camp as the main bad guys. It's just the best genre point. I love it. You Once again, you skipped a very important. I'm just going to keep introducing the things you skip um, because you That's skip. That's fine. We already sort of talked about it, but he's he hates this idea. He doesn't want to go to band camp. And then he remembers Jim. When he fucked a band person. And even oh, though, right. Okay, so well, even more this. repellent than Matt Stifler are Matt Stifler's friends. That's one of that's an important point. Yeah, absolutely. Know. So they're like, oh, dude, they're going to be fucking freaks there. And he's like, I don't know if I want to fuck them, but I will pull a gym. Film them. And film re- them. And record them when they don't know about it and then enter into the porn industry. So right off the bat, Again, I'm going to bring this back to the last one. There are more stakes introduced in the first 10 minutes of the movie than ever like ever approach in the third movie. And right off the bat, we're like, he's he has to learn from his mistakes, but he also has a secret plan, do not, and enter into this business that he wants to be a part of. So, bam, we already have two storylines that I'm interested in. I'm ready to go. Well, I think winning the heart of January Jones in American Wedding was pretty big to me, but we're different people, and that's okay. Yep, but the the way he wins the heart, like we're gonna get there in this one. He pretends to be a like a book nerd, and it or it's so fake and so flat. And here he's just like is. I like it though. I like. I, like I know it. you do. Like, not, we're not, we're not, we don't have to revisit that. We, okay. We I just really like. Remember this the I... scene in, in this movie where Matt Stifler goes? I used to think my life was an American Pie movie, but now I realize it's an American Pie Presents movie. Yeah, that was like uh, it was an eye-opening moment for me. It yeah. really like I wasn't quite sure what to think, and that really like wow. That's when I was like, Ted Hilgenbrink, you my friend, will go far in this industry. What else did he do? That's a great question. I have no idea. You said it kicked off his career, but I don't know that he really got one. Let's see. Ted, hold on. He played Chance Marquis in The Curiosity of Chance. He played What's Tyler that? in The Hills Run Red. He was in Lost Boys in, to he Try. He was an epic movie. Yeah, that's pretty good. Ooh, his career ended in 2009. He had a nice five-year run. What do you think he's up to now? I don't know. Drinking? Can you imagine uh, someone who is a child actor who on Wikipedia has later career section? I feel bad for him because he was chosen for Matt Stifler due to his resemblance to Sean William Scott, which is maybe not what you want to read in uh, why you were chosen for something. Uh, He does play a gay character in uh, 2006's The Curiosity of Chance. And given his sensitive portrayal of a young man finding his sexuality in this film, I would love to see how he tackled that opportunity. Maybe we'll do it as a bonus. Maybe we will. He, Oh, my God. The cover of Curiosity of Chance certainly makes me want to do it. Oh, is boy. that him? In 1980s Europe, flamboyant and gay 16-year-old Chance Marquis shows up in international high school in a top hat and tails. The only way you, he could fit in was to stand out. That's the tagline. That's, I mean, honestly, Matt Stifler, similar, similar vibe. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So this sets us up. He he is ready to go. He's got his ulterior motive. He's got his directive from the Shermanator. They're at odds with each other, and he will find a way to make it through American Pie Presents Bandcamp. See, if this were, we've talked about this before, if this were a daring movie, this is when we get the title card. This is it. When he's gone through all of that, the Shermanator directs him and he talks to his friends and it's like, all right, time to go. Boom, cut, slam. We get that stamp. I don't know why American Pie is a stamp. It's like now it has a seal of American Pie. I think like American grade, American, 100% American, like like a beef stamp is what I was thinking it's supposed to be a reference to. Huh. So maybe they originally were going to have him fuck beef, like raw ground chuck. I feel like that's more realistic 
the things people have fucked ultimately than an actual pie. Um, I will say the they spared no expense in making this film because the the title card, the fonts used, oh. really just exquisite. Are exactly the same. Yes, they look as the original movies. Like we could probably no, they look way worse. Like way worse. <laughs> well, the 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 America the opening credits titles they're the same font as the other three movies and honestly i think it's the same font as men in black uh i don't know if all, you also really with terrible ultimate ultimate opening credits okay we need to we need to keep moving here so as i said you're correctly i said this out of order and i apologize to you i apologize to our listeners i apologize to tad hilgenbrink and of course i apologize to the entire new cast of directors writers and producers that took over this element of the franchise the stiffmeister matt stifler stifler 2 goes to tall oaks Meets this this the, the evil snooty bad guys from Beechwood. Who yeah, are the the prep school they always win. Oh, we hate it so much. So great. Um, he of course manages to smash some nuts pretty quickly on in the movie. And by the way, Matt Stifler is spouting all of the same witticisms of his older brother. Like, call me cowboy and spank and spank my patootie, or like just really That's awesome shit like that. Yeah, he's always like, "What's my favorite musical? The Nutcracker." You know, you Boom. can kind of get the vibe. Yeah. So um, he smashes the genitals of this rich kid. And again, Twice. God bless him. Uh, and this prompts one of the counselors at the camp, who, by the way, I have a lot of questions about the counselors at the camp. We'll get into that later. He says, holy mother of Mozart, which yeah. is just a great little throwaway. It's, I like that. It's, it's really good. A lot of little good music gags in this one. Also, do you think the, this was a $15 million budget? Which is insane. Yeah. How? So here's what Where I'm, did that money go? I think it went into the instruments. Wow, yeah. I mean, there are like 40... <laughs> the, they're playing inst- original Stradivariuses in the entire film. All the pianos are Steinways. Uh, most of the, 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 the string instruments are several centuries old. It's an impressive commitment. To- I mean, ever, everything we learned about uh, Trump's taxes, I mean, this is a, oh, probably God. a, a similar so bad angle. It's Trump man has done. Yeah, I, I feel oh, like art is a... It. They probably just plunked $15 million into old, expensive... You know, just to take the loss, and that way. Okay, just... you're telling me, American Pie presents colon Bandcamp has done more for the American economy than the friggin' president? No, no, I'm no, oh, God, no. I'm saying uh, in the same way that Trump might. I mean, that was rhetorical. I'm saying it's bad what he's done. With oh, taxes, okay. it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. It's very bad. It's, it's bad. So, it's, it's orange bad too. Done. His taxes were orange. Yeah, I've heard. I'm liking all the tweets where liberals are like, you know, real billionaires think Trump is a doo-doo pants. And yeah. I'm like, Fuck yeah, that's so sick. Billionaires own. They're dunking on that toad, that fucking fat buffoon who's orange. Dude, imagine Bezos and Gates just fucking throwing him down on, on friggin' on the, uh, the fat orange man. Do you think uh, Apple Boy, what's it? who's Apple Boy? Steve Jobs. Mm, like He's, he's dead. Look, I know, but he's looking down and he's like, oh, my biggest regret in life is not not to not see the like the newest iOS or whatever the i the I, actually no everything that he made is the only thing that Apple still makes that's weird well maybe he could further repair his, his famously damaged relationships in his personal oh, life oh sure if with, he his, lived with longer. his daughter yeah no i'm saying that daughter with with the waz he's not give a fuck about that he gives a he, he wants to be there with the Elon the Bezo he wants to be there to do like uh, that scene in, in uh, Office Space when they kick apart that printer. Except yeah, in but this the printer is, is drum. Is drum? Yes, or wow. rump. Yeah, and this is it's Jobs and uh, and the Bezos and. Uh, hey, can't spell Trump with that rump. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so the movie attempts to set up a bit of a, uh, a gotcha moment where they're like, oh, no, you got to go see the macro. Uh, I'm going to look up the actually what the, the thing stands for. Yes, the Moral and Conflict Resolution Officer. Is that a real thing? I don't know. It's it's a weird... I went to summer camp. We never had one of those. It's weird that if it isn't a real thing, why they would spend so much time talking about it. It doesn't look like a real thing. Anyways, so they're like, oh, no, you got to go see the macro. I hear he breaks kids like friggin' biscuits. He's a monster of a man. And, of course, we get to the office, and... It's friggin' Jim's dad, Levy, back up in this movie, gonna get some Jim's dad. And here we get an exposition dump for the ages. And you know what it starts with? What? Probably my favorite line in the movie is uh, Matt saying, what are you doing here? And it's just like the, the... the writer is he's a fucking genius because he knows that we're all asking the same question. And you know what? A character plucking out my thoughts and saying it on the screen as I'm thinking it. Fuck. You can't replicate that. That's when real life enters into the fiction and fiction becomes real. Right. And Brad Riddell, who's an American screenwriter and professor who not only wrote American Pie Presents colon Bandcamp, but also Road Trip colon Beer Pong. Brad has really found a lane for Wait, himself. Wait, he's also, uh, he wrote um, Slapshot Cohen, the Junior League. That's right, Slapshot 3, the Junior League. So <laughs> yeah. Brad really has his, again, he's found his lane, and I admire that. Um, it's Cohen. He's using that MFA in screenwriting from the USC School of Cinematic Arts to great effect, and I admire that. Wait, what does he um, teach? He taught undergraduate courses at SUNY Oswego for one year in upstate New York before joining DePaul School of Cinema and Interactive Media in 2012 after teaching screenwriting at USC for seven years. And that's what I love about getting a good professor at an expensive school who can point to such credits as Bandcamp Presents, American Pie Presents, colon, Bandcamp, Slapshot 3, colon, The Junior League, Road Trip, colon, Beer Pong, and 2012's Crooked Arrows. Can you imagine <laughs> being like, the, your your dad's like, Son, I, I really want you to go to the school. The school, it's, it's really nice. It's got a great campus. The quad is beautiful. But you really must look up this professor who wrote American Pie Presents, colon, Bandcamp, Slapshot 3, colon, The Junior League, and Road Trip, colon, Beer Pong. Like, we're, you're never going to get a better education than this. Yeah. Um, we do have to... We, there's so much to cover. This may be our longest episode ever, which I'm excited about. I mean, we have a... Uh, Fast 7 was quite long. Okay. Well, okay. So Jim's dad ex- answers the obvious question, why the fuck is he here? By telling us something absolutely jaw-dropping, Michelle is pregnant. Yes. So in this direct-to-video spinoff, we find out that one of the, you know, iconic characters from the first three movies, the his daughter-in-law is pregnant, which is huge. They now have to deliver on that later, which is exciting. And I'm going to come a little, come into a little pause here. This movie did more for its abandoned characters than three did. You have an, a missing Oz. You have a missing everybody. And they don't even fucking mention it. Here it's like a fucking a movie that doesn't even need to reference its earlier characters. You got two returning cast members. And then they talk about like what Stifler's up to. They talk about what Jim and Alyssa... No, that's the actor's name. Alyssa Hudgens. Michelle. What they're up to. Alyssa Hudgens? It's Allison Hannigan, you fucking melted brain. <laughs> You're a regular Joe Biden over there. I know. There. I'm getting ready for the debates. Get excited. Um, I'm just saying, like, this really... I really felt like this was a part of it. Yeah. I, by the way, I love that you've really committed to liking this movie. It's one of your weirder takes. I, I have no reason to push back on it. I don't care. I loved but it. it. I gave it's it really... two stars. I loved it. Wow. All right. Anyway, so Michelle's pregnant, so Jim's dad logically 
takes his daughter-in-law's summer camp job, as one does. Incredible. Just good writing. Brad at his finest. Um, I cannot wait to hear how he remains involved in this series. Like, if if this is the level of detail they're going to apply for him, why he's a band camp counselor, God, what's the next one? The next one's called American Pie Presents. The Naked Mile. I don't even know what it's about. But I'm excited. I'm assuming it's running a mile naked, if I had to guess. That's my my, my guess, too. So um, Jim's dad, his job has sweeping responsibilities. Yeah. Which I found fascinating. As the macro, he gets kind of a lot of shit from his superiors over the course of the movie for, like, not preventing Stifler from, like, fucking an oboe, for example. And I'm like – yeah, I mean, the macro's he, job shouldn't be to monitor masturbation habits. That seems like a big thing to ask of anybody. So you're saying you should be more like a police officer where they just let the crime happen and then sort of shamble over afterwards. No, I think he should be like, you know, a weird guidance counselor guy, which is what it looks like his job is. And I will say when later, when, uh, God, what's her name? This is terrible. The main female lead. Alyssa Hudgens. That's her name in the movie? No, that was a callback to the last time I, I called know, but someone. I know, your melted brain could have actually drawn from something vaguely accurate. Okay. I was giving you no, the it's a lease. The doubt, which, it's a lease. Okay. When, when Elise and Matt Stifler get into a fight in his office and he opens the drawer, pulls out the horn, uses the horn, puts the horn back in the drawer and closes the drawer. That Incredible. was my favorite moment in the entire movie. It was Really good. excellent. He's, yeah. he's still good. I, I, I'm so glad that we have him carrying throughout the next three movies. Well, four, it makes me well four movies. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, by the, oh my god, we're halfway done with the series with this. Wow, it feels this is heartbreaking. It feel, well, I think I, I don't know. This is like a good sledding, yeah. you know, where you you get to climb the hill. This is me. I wasn't really prepared for this. I didn't really want to do it, but you convinced me. We walked up the hill in the snow. It was cold. Mm. We started going down. It was beautiful. And you have a little lull, and now we hit that little hump, and I'm hoping it's just going to get into a real raucous ride. Well, we certainly saw some humping in this movie. So Stifler's roommate is Ernie, who's a little fucking dork who sucks ass, and he's, he's like a little virgin dork, probably Jewish. He vibes pretty Jewish. Um, I, that's the vibe I got as a, a Jew. Um, I, I love this movie really builds out the, the mythos of band camp, okay? We've got the rookie hats. Sure. We've got the longstanding rivalry between East Falls High and the, the Beachwood Academy, okay? I, um, I took this note, too, that, again, so we already have some pretty big stakes that I'm interested in. A competition, which I don't think it really pans out, unfortunately. The point system, the I competition. Was, okay, no. But the I point system yeah, we have to get into. We do. I have so I, many questions Most about of my that. notes are about the point system. But I'm just saying, like... To have, like, you get to the band camp, and this, we already have things that we're interested in, and yet they introduce another thing, rivalries between schools, point systems, competitions, uh, people daring each other to championship fights to the death with instruments. That was uh, great. That was awesome. I loved that that happened. Yeah. I, I think this here's is my, here's the thing we strangely agree good storytelling. Well, just more, way more complex than I possibly could have imagined from American Pie Presents Bandcamp, a movie that is objectively pretty bad. Um the the competition is mostly confusing because it's a hat on a hat where we know at the end of the, the summer camp experience, if they win this competition, the director of a Juilliard-like conservatory will give you a, a big scholarship uh, to this you know much celebrated, this much lauded institution. So there's a big competition between the annoying rich kid guy who got his nuts crunched and what Alicia, Alyssa, whatever her name is. Yeah, Alice. The somewhat milquetoast uh, love interest of Matt Stifler. Um, that's already, we get that. That's pretty clearly defined state. <laughs> yeah, it now, makes sense. And honestly, it reminded part- me a lot of uh, High School Musical. 
absolutely. Husky Musical 3 has similar stakes. Yeah. So my point of confusion that I'm sure you share is that apparently, and I I took a lot of notes on this. We're going to jump ahead a little bit here in references. Why does the camp point system include football? It's a band camp, I typed, followed by foam volleyball? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. There's a lot of other things that influence the point system that seem somewhat ancillary to the main objective of Bandcamp. I think it makes it's sense. It's more of a Harry Potter-like system yeah, absolutely. than a normal Bandcamp system. But I think when you're at—I mean, I never went to summer camp. I mean, I went to, like, summer programs. Um, but you actually went to a summer camp where it's not just, like, I guess yours wasn't themed— but even still, you do the theme like, was Judaism and more to the point Zionism mostly. So. Oh, so did you actually have like classes and? Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, Hebrew classes, but, Israeli education classes. Okay, but then you also had like canoeing, maybe or playing yep, archery flag. was popular. Yeah, so I'm saying well, like color war was a big deal. Yeah, your main theme, and then you have ancillary uh, like fun things, and I don't think it's far fetched to have those other contests, even if they're not unrelated to the main portion of the camp to still be included it's sort of like you know if you're in a class you might have quizzes every once in a while but your main i don't know no you're being very generous here it doesn't make sense to rate and evaluate band students on their ability to play foam volleyball that doesn't make any sense but i mean there's no correlation between the objective purpose of the camp and volleyball that doesn't make sense and the foam aspect of it is even stranger well i would like to posit then perhaps even though it was included in the point montage, given how low the score was, then maybe it didn't actually matter. Because after the end of the day, there was like 10 to 15 to 2 to 1 or something. Well, it, to me, it felt like then the whole thing was fucked up because in a in a similarly Harry Potter-like move, mm. it seems like winning the final thing was a Quidditch, like, like a, a snitch-like thing where as long as you win that, you basically win, right? I mean, that it se- they were down by, they were up by five. Yeah, which, over the Beechwood Academy at the end, and then lose, spoiler listeners, due to a classic Ipecac mix-up. <laughs> he falls high. <laughs> I love this movie. I take it all it's back. It's good. This is a great movie. I mean, this is actually, no, it's bad, but I love loving it. It's bad, but it's in, I think, for an American Pie movie, it's good. So you're saying it cuts off a more achievable piece of leather to chew on than American Wedding. Yeah, and American Pie too. That's wild. I think... Uh, we have a character who they don't really go into it too much other than brief conversations about their past. But I found the actual relationship between Elise and Matt to be quite nice where he obviously has liked her for a long time. And yet because of his shitty brother, he has to pretend to be a dick. Well, my second to last note was, wow, touching finale, followed by damn Ernie can blow. Mm-mm. But it, it, they mentioned it a lot where the whole eighth grade thing and how he used to call her Lisi. They, they have a very interesting, without doing any flashbacks, I get a very strong sense of their relationship throughout their entire adolescence. Well, it just seems like Stifler 2, Matt Stifler, has been unrelentingly nightmarish to almost everyone around him for a very long time. And he yeah. seems to, even at the climax of this movie where he does like actual sex crimes that led me to type, uh, Stifler 2 should be killed, <laughs> the state should be, dest- uh, Stifler 2 should be destroyed by the state. <laughs> Like, he just gets away with everything, which was really bad. But so does Stifler. And at least if you're going to have a character who gets away with everything at the end, I think he actually, for the franchise, 
earns it much more than Stifler ever did because all he did was like wake up some poor woman at in the middle of the night to go beckon flowers, be dragged over to this. Like he doesn't do anything. He, in the end of a wedding, he is a dick the entire time, treats JJ like shit, and then just sort of gets it all back because he gets flowers. Hold on. Stifler, Alpha Stifler, Stifler 1, Stifler, yeah. dare I say Omega? Kind of like the, the, the truly the root of all Stiflers. Um, well, Omega's the last. He shows that he's... Okay, whatever. Let's not get into Let's Greek do alpha. right now. Alpha. Yeah. Uh, Stifler Mach 1 uh, shows that he can be a part of a team, contribute, fix mistakes he's made, sh- be a member of the team. How? Like, I think what, because he, sa- he after ruining the flowers, he, he fixes his problem. So you're saying the flowers is it. That was it. Just the flowers. I'm saying the demonstration of using his resources to fix that problem shows that he's capable of growth in some way. Matt Stifler films his peers having sex and mm-hmm. is prepared to release that onto some sort of horrific, vaguely pedi- – no, full pedophilic video market of teens having sex at summer camp that he wants to show to their fellow peers at high school. That is a bad crime. And he deletes it. It is a bad – It's terrible he- crime. Josh, Jim, you're excusing Jim and he doesn't do anything. He doesn't, he doesn't see what he did in the first movie as bad at all. In fact, he remains friends with the woman that he abuses. Here he, like, when he sees Elise getting undressed in the shower, he realizes what he's doing is bad. And I'm not excusing his behavior, but the movie is showing you that he understands what he's done is wrong. There's a whole scene where he deletes everything. And he confronts the people that he actually, like, is friends with and says, no, I actually deleted everything because I don't care. You can call me a band dork. Maybe I am a band dork, but I'm not going to do this shit anymore. I'm not going to be your friends. Well, look, maybe... You have a point there, but I'll respond with this. Another note from my exhaustive watching session today. Stifler is a terrible cameraman. Mm, well, I mean, it's hard. I, mean, I don't know. It's it's. I would say a terrible cameraman in that he's a terrible person for planting hidden cameras in showers. No, but also I think his actual cinematography is shit. Because often, especially when Oscar's hooking up with Sharice uh, next to the campfire where he has, again, taught his youthful ward to get women drunk before trying to film them naked. Uh, again, Matt Stifler, as you, one of your favorite characters in cinema, mm-hmm. um, he constantly is taking off some of his equipment to, to make big <laughs> gasping expressions of surprise and delight at seeing breasts. And by the way, um, Oscar's commitment to consent with Sharice in that scene is beautiful. And his reaction to her boobs is, wow. <laughs> which I thought was great. Yeah, uh, Oscar was great. Uh, I, I mean, you know, when you watch POV porn, it's not just a constantly of half porn, half the the guy with the camera going, hubba hubba, hubba hubba, and then putting his like night vision goggles. the camera up to like react loudly. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, it so was really bad. we have to start moving a little faster through this because no, I don't, have Josh. a life outside of this. I do. I've been in this room for a long time. I know, but you, you just keep mentioning it. How about we... Because we have so much left to cover. How about we streamline it without the, uh, you know, you keep saying how much of a rush you are. You are so holding making, us up it's more. It's making me feel a little stressed. You are stressed. holding us up more by commenting on this than by letting me just get to the next point. I know, but I'm so saying next time, with Ernie. you don't have to mention that you need a rush. You can okay, just, just move to the next up. topic. I'm just going to cut it out. I'm just going to cut don't, it out. Don't, don't cut any of this out. I'm just going to cut that I will, out. I will not schedule something with you for months if you cut anything out from this episode. Wait, uh, What? months we will grind this to a halt oh my I god you're gonna be you're gonna pull a fucking congress thing or whatever i'm gonna be like moscow mitch in the friggin senate oh my oh, god. god i hate that guy he's such an asshat okay ernie is the milk toast roommate of matt stifler who matt stifler of course immediately abuses and tortures psychologically and physically by shoving him into a closet 
only later to make a, oh, you came out of the closet joke, which seems like fish in a barrel, Matt, the if gay, I'm being honest. The gay jokes were... Relentless in this. Relentless, weird, and there's even one where he's like, says gay in a negative way and then like changes it. It's, it was a, he's like, oh, wait, I can't say that anymore or something. It was, well, it's, it was it's, like, well, Stephen Stifler is often forced to confront his homophobia, which we know truly to be his xenophobia, his fear of the unknown, his fear to confront things that are foreign to him. And he has to deal with that on a lot of different levels throughout the first three movies, which I think is a whole dimension to Stiflerism that is not covered in this installation of the family Stifler. Anyways, Stifler 2 and Ernie come together over the one thing all men truly want to do which is prey on women by filming them against their will i mean that's yeah that's i guess i guess so so um i want to ask you this the shower situation at the camp is perplexing okay it's a group shower setting with like rib cage high dividers yeah which is i don't think i have rarely experienced like why even have the dividers at a certain point if they're going to stop in the middle of your body well, I mean, you're, like you're, it's already a group shower setting. Your genitals are in the middle of your body. Um, but I'm saying if you're standing over a divider that is well below your sight line, That's it's not true. actually going to block you from seeing someone's <laughs> genitals because you're much taller than it. That's how height works, Charles. So I found the shower situation odd. I did too until I realized that. Do you think so? They must have gone out of their way to build this. Yes. Because there's, it's you're the right. Like, there is. It's like Verhoeven at least just didn't have stalls in his version of the show. It is. It's like this would never exist. But I believed in the space that this was a band camp, and it never even occurred to me until now that some set designer was like, "All right, we got to make the completely useless shower stalls." Right, and then this leads to a second thing. Now, obviously, we do see the counselors whip out those big old tatas, as Matt Stifler calls them, in the showers, as one does. Now, they talk at great length about the implants they've received as summer camp counselors at a band camp. Mm -hmm. Breast implants are not inexpensive. They are not – as an elective surgery, they are not covered by most insurance plans. I was fascinated by the camp counselors' backstories. They seem to have money to burn on tit implants. And given that they do almost nothing at the summer camp, this is a huge issue for me. We don't see the counselors do anything other than shower. That's all they seem to be doing, okay? Okay, all the different individual groups lead their own practice sessions, as we see. Right. So what are the counselors doing? Showering. (laughs) I got a bit of trivia here. I've been a counselor. Have you been a counselor? No, wait, did you do more than shower, though? Yes, I had to plan sessions. I had to lead groups. All kinds of responsibilities. These somewhat delinquent counselors are merely discussing what implants they'll get next, while examining each other's genitals for a great length. Yeah. Which ones are they getting next? I don't know. I guess those who haven't yet gotten the implants are probably getting tips from their friends who have. Mm. Um, Do you want to hear a little bit of trivia? I'm on the IMDb trivia page. Oh, please. You did a little research, I see. It's not terribly interesting. Only zero out of one person found this interesting. So Um, statistically, no one. (laughs) That is another way of looking at it. But uh, at minute 44... Second 36, when Stifler and his roommate are watching the girls practice in the shower on the hidden camera, the song they are dancing to is Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back. Right. And I was struck by that before realizing that that was their talent show song. So it makes sense now. Do you want me to mark that as you found it interesting then? 
Yeah, yeah. I would appreciate if you. Uh, I did find it interesting. Okay, because I knew the song because they were singing a very popular song. Yeah, and they were doing a pretty good job. I was impressed with them, and their dance did like many uh, high school choreography things we've seen at this show, namely High School Musical. The choreography seemed to be lacking, but they did know the song well, which was good. So, Ernie. Help, he bonds with his much cooler roommate, the sex criminal Matt Stifler, by showing that he has his own horrific spy cam robot that he's built. <laughs> it is that terrifying. Has bizarre anthropomorphic eyes on stalks jutting out of a, like a Kinect style body with wheels. So I would have understood that if it was like a 3D camera, but no, it just it's just so that you can look at two things at once on the same monitor. It's a little confusing. I didn't really understand how it was controlled. And crucially, later in the film, during the foam volleyball scene, this really got me. Matt Stifler and Ernie are playing volleyball. But we cut to a shot of the robot doing stuff. Who's controlling the robot while they're both playing foam volleyball? Wait. I was like, there's a whole other storyline we don't know. I think this is the Shermanator. Do you think this is like... Who watches the Watchmen? Is it Shermanator? Yes. Wow. Or maybe the Shermanator is, I don't know, maybe they're, they, maybe that's like the T-1000 and he's a, a different version. I don't know. They probably are from the same uh, future, though. Yeah. That does scan. I do like that, uh, what's his name, rips off one of the, or it's probably not ripping off because it's, I'm sure it's a, you know, carefully selection of appendages you can plug in and plug out whatever you need. He takes out one of the eye cameras and replaces it with a soda dispenser because, he thinks that is how he's going to get uh, his penis closer to the other well, person. I wanted to address that. I, I think offering a woman a no-fear energy drink with a robot is actually sick as fuck. And the, the impact of right, that... But she doesn't know who it is. Right, but she's like, you're a beautiful lady. Have it. No fear. Don't be afraid. Drink this soda from a robot. And she holds onto the tab and makes a necklace out of it. So yeah, clearly and then it... later she says metal gets me something. Yeah, she's aroused by metal. It's kind of confusing. Before we go past this point, I want to just uh, slow this down for a minute. Ernie does confide in Stifler 2 that he wants to be in NASA. And we learn, amazingly, Stifler 2 does not know what NASA that is. That is a great joke. That was actually, yes. honestly a very funny joke that I laughed at. So Stifler 2 goes, "Is that must be the National Anal Sex Association. And then the other guy says, no, it's the Space Association. Yeah, it's a and great. Then, it's wait. one of those classic Brad Riddell, Brad Riddell back and forth. Yeah. Oh, well, you didn't finish it. Oh, please go ahead. No, no, that was for you. I said the, his part. Now it's up to you. You get to say. Uh, I did not memorize the full scene. Charles. Oh, okay. Never mind then. I'm sorry. He says like pros only or something. So yeah, he then... can't be a part of the National Anal Sex Association. Who? So that means that only professional fuckers can be in the national. Is it still the aeronautics? No, that's right. The National Anal Sex Association. No, there's so, no aeronautics in the anal sex association. So it is, but professional would mean only sex workers could be in that. Which is, if it's yeah. truly only pros. And I mean, they're based, that's basically not legal in this country. So it's a pretty illicit group. A few more things as we move forward. Ernie, uh, so there's the big the big scene in this movie is that Stifler spikes the slushies at the campfire. And everyone gets drunk and there's a big scene where uh, all kinds of stuff happens. Uh, Matt Stifler fucks an oboe, kind of a callback to, uh, you know, Jim fucking inanimate things, which gives Jim's dad some fun talking about how his son fucked a pie, which you may recall from American Pie 1. Um, Oscar has sex with Sharice while being filmed by Stifler. This is before the oboe thing. Um, 
while all this is happening, Ernie gets to have sex with the attractive goth woman who's friends with Elise. And she tells him that she has six piercings and only two are on her face, which she implies means that she has four genital piercings. No, it's not two on her face. She says not including the ones on my face. I got oh two on my tit tits. Right. And then four below the belt. And again, the age range of this is a little wild, but like if she's like a high schooler, I don't know where she's getting genital Dude, piercings. she has a sternum tattoo and a like a quarter sleeve. Well, did you like her body art as a, a fan of uh, yeah. disgracing the temple that is your frame with uh, crude renderings of uh, pagan symbols? Birds. All right. Okay, so she's got a lot of genital piercings, and God bless her for but it. But no, it's in the same way that uh, the counselors all have implants. Like, the fact that a, what, 16 or 17-year-old would have four genital piercings? It's like, what universe does Brad live in? Yeah. I actually do not answer that. I do not want to know what universe Brad lives in. A sex in. criminal one full of pedophiles. Uh, so the movie could not... Did you notice this? Um, there's a version of Jimmy Eat World's The Middle on the soundtrack, but not Jimmy Eat World's version of The Middle, <laughs> I which don't, I found very interesting. I don't know this musical scene well enough to... like. You keep I keep lying to you every time you're like, whoa, Hold the on. soundtrack's rip. They say it's the original version, but it really didn't sound like it. I do not know. You're the. I'm, unfortunately, I know I'm your co-host, but I'm the wrong person to be talking to about Jimmy Eat's World. All right, Is that fine. even the name of the band? Jimmy Eat World? Jimmy Eat World. Jimmy Eat World. I was wrong. It says it's the original. It sounds weird. So maybe, I don't know. Maybe it slowed down a little bit. Leave that silence in for exactly <laughs> as long as... Okay, wow. Maybe it slowed down a little bit. Uh, that was the best thing you've ever done on the podcast. And no, it wasn't slowed down. Hey, you know what? I uh, ate peanut butter before this record. Uh oh. I'm doing good. And I'm coming up with fucking zingers like that. My commitment is back, sir. My commitment. I'm, I'm confused as to why. Oh, so just the, the maximum number of, of mouth smacks and horrible clicking noises from your f- face hole? Yeah, normally the- when I eat peanut butter, it makes me like phlegmy and I cough and smack. Yeah, but not today because my commitment is stronger than the peanut butter was. Peanut butter is fucking But you still down. ate the peanut butter, which still violated yeah, the general I, uh, premise. Yeah, I was like, hmm, I'm a little hungry, a little hungo, but I don't, I didn't really want, it's 5.30, you know? Yeah. I was ready for a snack. And you know, peanut butter is a great snack. Peanut butter is a great snack. I entirely agree. That's okay. one thing that was weird. They didn't, maybe there's just an allergy rule, but no one ate peanut butter at band camp. I feel like that would have been like a staple. You would think that, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, I would. Okay, so uh, let's see... We don't need so, to... Yeah, this episode, you're, I think it would have been just as smooth had you not deliberately gone through each of your notes because there's, you know, we could have fluidly gone through this. I mean, you're, We're I'm moving about, all over the place. I'm, I'm talking not, about commitment I'm not, to I'm good podcasting. Around, yeah, but you keep like mentioning like, okay, I'm now reading this note. Oh, we must move on. I have this note to talk about. I, I'm committed to good podcasting. What are you doing? I'm drawing on the work and effort that I put into this presentation. Right, but you're like you're the kind of presenter that they have a PowerPoint and you just read off the PowerPoint. A good That's PowerPoint. That's not true at all. You don't know what I'm doing with these fucking notes. You have no idea the kind of jazz that I'm playing over here, baby. I'm going all over the place. I'm like Ernie. I'm honking on Bobo. Uh-uh. Yeah, he's good at honking. He is good at honking. Okay, so... Uh, we get, can we please talk about the jack-off scene? Because basically... Get, uh, that's next to my fucking list. Can you stop being such a baby? Ah. Just stop for a minute. 
talk about the jack-off scene. Okay, so Matt Stifler wants to get revenge on the mean snobs who are rich kids. No, we hate them. They're Well, no, you didn't say why. In an earlier scene, the rich kid, like, filled a grape soda can filled with cum? No, that's not what happened. Now you're the one getting things all fucked up. Later in the movie, Matt Stifler puts Ipecac in the grape drink, which is supposed to go to Beechwood. But Oscar and the the hip-hop Asian kid switch... The grape and the orange. No, so I'm saying the introduction of Ipecac was because he drank the rich kid's cum. No, no, had... the rich kid spit, you fucking... Oh, spit. I'm okay. sorry. They drained all of their brass instruments into a can of soda. Right. I hated this. It was of it was all the repulsive. gross stuff. I, I, it I, was think I, re- I think I already blocked it out, and I just replaced it with cum because cum uh, is much more, you know, nice to me. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so so Stifler's furious. He had to drink a big can full of spit. It's uh, the classic American pie thing where people like will chug two-thirds of something before realizing what it is, which is just classic. Um, so to I get think revenge, the, the reality of the first one is the most. Where Stifler, when he drinks the cum beer, it's almost instant that he realizes something is wrong. Right. But after when he's that, chucking John Cho's piss in two, there's yeah. a bit of a... Right. After that, everything is just... that's the, the humor is in the delay. Timing. That's the most important thing about comedy. So <laughs> um, Stifler, Stifler is mad at the Beachwood kids. So he does what, honestly, a pretty classic kind of revenge that I can't put it past him. This is a, a winner. Uh, he uh, decides he's going to jack off in their sunscreen, or as he calls it later, SPF 69, which mm, I liked. I'm going to love that. I like that joke. So we get a great scene, and you've been dying to talk about this, but Stifler, I'll set it up for you, grabs the – well, Ernie actually he crawls through the bushes to steal the – sunscreen gives it to matt stifler who runs off to a bathroom stall to jack off into it and charles take it away paint a picture for us what are these what's the situation matt finds himself in to jack off into the sunscreen well i don't have to work too hard because i'm sure all of our listeners they're all cineasts they all have seen danny boyle's train spotting i thought you were going to mention that they've seen this movie because i think there's a few sight and sound polls that include I hope so. I think Agnes Varda, her last list before she died, included American Pie Presents colon Bandcamp. Included in what? We're not sure. Um, but she talked about Top it. Top 10 movies ever made. <laughs> and it, it's also American Pie Presents The Naked Mile. American Pie Presents The Book of Eli. Yeah, controversially, <laughs> yeah, The Book of Eli. The fr- <laughs> yeah, Denzel Washington. <laughs> Is roaming around in a bus <laughs> trying to see trying to tits. Denzel, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a perfect guy for the job. Uh, uh, yeah, you've all seen Train Spotting, and the the worst toilet in Scotland makes a. I think they just used the same actor to be the worst toilet in Twin Pines uh, Bandcamp. Tall Oaks Band Camp. Uh, once again, Twin Pines Mall is right, from sorry, Back sorry, to the sorry. Future. I believe it's Andy Serkis who plays both toilets in a motion capture <laughs> performance. And it's this is uh, this toilet is very awful. To give them credit, there's someone shitting next to him in the other stall. He goes into the out of order toilet to jack off, and it is like a truly repellent situation. There's turds. There's murky water. It sucks. It looks good. It was. It, it wasn't like overboard turd. It was. I think. I think Danny Boyle might have spiced things up a little bit more than reality would have allowed for, especially given that uh, what's his name dives right into it. That doesn't happen here. This well, director firmly... Steve Rash chooses to stick to the veracity of Brad Riddell's script and makes it a very believable bad toilet. Yeah, and so he we can imagine the stench. He doesn't go into it too much. We just know it's there, and yet he continues. Either he has incredible aim or a pencil thin penis. 
because that sunscreen opening is like tiny, but he knows well, he can. The urethra remains the same size generally across most penises, so it doesn't really matter. He's probably only really has to I get guess... the urethra into the hole. I don't think he's to stick his dick into the That's sunscreen. True. That's true, but it's still a, a it's bit a lining, much, isn't it? Yeah, I guess you're right. It's sort of. It just seems like. I mean, I guess I'll have to try it. Hey. If you're listening at home and you, this, you're interested in this, uh, stay tuned. Charles will report back behind the Patreon wall. We got Let's keep it for that. Okay. He he does already know. I mean, we know that his penis fits in an oboe, and I haven't seen an oboe in years, but it doesn't seem to be particularly I think large. not a famously girthy instrument. Yeah. But re- regardless, now that you've mentioned oboe, we should get to it. Uh, Matt Stifler fights through the doubtless noxious scent of this horrific bathroom to get some some Stifler juice out. What goes through his mind whilst he uh, strokes the one-eyed snake? And this is a strangely exciting scene to having been included in this movie, which is pretty dull and drab. Like, it's not it's not very inventive in terms of what it shows on the camera. It's just, you know, it, it seems like a very stri- like direct-to-DVD style movie where you just have actors doing their thing and here we cut to a psychedelic background with ladies dancing and then it just sort of well in in halloween style sexy outfits yeah um and we have uh the woman that he wants to fuck from the first scene one of his like friends from school that hate band dorks uh adrian i believe yeah oh and then we also have the double d what's her name who who sharice who had sex with, with uh oscar and then, in, in a bit of storytelling, uh, maybe a Paul Thomas Anderson could have pulled this off or another, you know, rash here is on par with a true cinema master where he allows for storytelling to continue because he, he conjures up the image of Elise. And at first he's repulsed, but then seconds later he's like, oh, I'll just keep stroking it. I, I think Charlie Kaufman did a pass at this script. Okay, that makes sense. Like the yeah. scene, I think maybe he, maybe sort of like the the, the Tarantino scene in um, Sin City. Maybe that was Kaufman only. Uh, anyway, I don't know. It could have been Tarantino himself. Mm. Uh, and then it cuts to the girl that falls over sometimes, and then it cuts to the oboe, and he's just jacking it the whole time. And this is. Like, I don't know if this is like when you're jacking it and you're not looking at porn, do you like cycle through things like this or do you stick to one thing and fulfill to completion through the one fantasy? I think it's like a moving target. You've got to keep up with your interests. You know, things change. It's a fluid situation, if you'll pardon the pun. I will. Um, yeah, and it was. I, th- I thought it was fun. It was funny. And it told me uh, everything I need to know about Matt Stifler and the way that he uh, comes to climax. I guess I did admire ultimately that the Stiflers are sexually adventurous people. Yeah. And I like that he wasn't, he's not, like, he has a lot of issues and bigotry to deal with in his life, but he's not really, like, these admittedly bizarre things jump into mind. And, uh, you know, God bless him for it. He he gets to completion. He he comes into the, 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 he successfully finishes into the... Fills it up. Well, he could have just gotten summoned and shaken it up i don't think he filled it up i hope he filled it well God, i hope he filled it i'm happy that you're holding on to that but to your that point belief. about his character and the stifler family at large uh i find the younger brother to be a very like 
I sort of understand why he like this scene is really drawn out and unnecessary and it is more sexual than anything that as we've talked about Steven Stifler does other until he fucks the grandmother and I just like I just like that this movie fucks this movie fucks like no, the other two the other three don't did you like how much Stifler too yelled in that scene yeah I and mean, can you imagine me the poor man shitting next to him as this kid jacks off next to you yeah, and like, I don't want to boast. I've jacked off plenty of times, but I've almost never yelled uh, while doing it. Never make a noise. I think usually in our society, one tries to be somewhat discreet when masturbating in a public toilet, but Matt Stifler is not held back by that kind of demand. No, he breaks all the rules. He He's really does. He him five points, five Gryffindor points. Right. So we're moving you know, fast and loose here. We're having a good time. Thanks for bringing um, it up. Sure thing. I'm, he uh, like managed to, to offend. Oh, shut up! He managed to offend Elise just when they're getting close with each other. He decides to try to prove that he's cool to the cool kids at high school who come to camp. The, the cheerleaders, of course, to learn to dance to Elise's composition. That's when it becomes clear that he has been filming people at the camp having sex at, in, at a high school band camp, and everyone's like, "You're a fucking dog shit human. Fuck you, dude. Fuck off. No one wants to see you ever again. You're awful." And when he lets down Ernie, I was pretty heartbroken. Yeah. And Oscar, like, is going to kill him. And for good reason. Yes. It's, like, a believable. Like, he sucks. And it was much, like, I think that Jimbo deserved that response when he filmed Nadia. And I feel like Stifler deserved that response. Maybe not that. No. He doesn't really do much criminal shit. Stifler's more like a huge asshole. He didn't make a sex tape of teens having sex. No, like, in but Jimbo did. If you, if you did this, you would be drowned in public. They would take you somewhere and drown you. Or elect and you. And people would clap. President of the United States of America. Oh, God. The orange buffoon? Don't get me started. I won't. Okay, so everyone's mad at Stifler 2. Stifler 2 decides to redeem himself, as only Stifler 2 can, by pouring Ipecac into the grape drink of Beachwood Academy to ruin their big presentation at the big final at the summer camp you know oh look at us the only five points separate them if they win they win whatever yeah it's hosted by drew carey drew of course drew carey's there uh in, in a scene that is both genuinely kind of racist and uh weirdly winning because it gives oscar and the hip-hop asian kids some shit to do um they show up to the drinks area and are a Mad to see Stifler too, who they chase off, and then are like, you know what? This sucks. We always get orange drink. We want purple drink. We want grape juice, not orange juice. Grape soda. So and also whatever. all of them were clear. It was very strange. Well, that, I wrote that down. I wrote the grape drink is clearly clear, and so is orange. Yeah, they're all clear. It's bullshit. What a weird. You think they spent fifteen million dollars on instruments and then couldn't spend, you know, thirty dollars on four two liters of grape soda, orange soda. I mean, I guarantee you it's because they didn't want to stain the uniforms. That's 100% the reason that's the case. Stain the uniforms? Do they get yeah, it you're on you're shooting the... a scene. That's the whole thing. You're making a movie. Everything costs money. They're wearing fancy uniforms they probably don't want to replace or deal with. They didn't want to get them stained. So all the juice is indeed clear. That's my it guess. It should have just been nothing. They should have mimed it. It should have been like boring out and then give it a little swirl. You know, I'm doing it right now. Some actors need that very toss of holding actual liquid in a little Dixie cup. As uh, the great uh, what's Ariel Cadell clearly needed, Kittle maybe, I'm not sure, uh, needed to pull off the je ne sais quoi of uh, Elise. So do you think they were all drinking it when they slugged it back and cheered? Who, who's to say, Charles? Could it have been who's empty cups? That's the, act, but the beauty the of acting. But the 
certainly, uh, as we see in great detail, has a devastating impact on East Falls High. Yeah. There is purple vomit, brown vomit. People are just puking corn. right and left, and everyone's very vomit. upset. It looked kind of like uh, like Lucky Charms or something. Everyone's furious. And in what I thought was a genuinely interesting thing, they just lose, and that's it. Yes, and that was That's awesome. the end of summer camp. They lose. I love There's nothing that. else. Siffler ruins their summer. He ruins her chance to get the scholarship. He just not only is a sex criminal who should be killed, is like a monstrous idiot whose terrible decisions have like really impacted people's lives. It sucks. I really liked that this and she does win in the end, but it isn't really related to this anymore. It's a whole new story. And the fact that they don't like in, in fucking Harry Potter. They're always losing, 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 and then Neville fucking does something with his frog, and Dumbledore is like, 10 points for the weird kid, and then they win. <laughs> but here they fucking lose. There's no saving them. Like, they just vomit all over the field. They, they don't they get to do anything. They have a humiliating failure. It just is like the worst possible way to lose anything. Rich kid gets the trophy, gets the scholarship, which he doesn't need. It's It was a, like a stark ending. Right. So uh, much like uh, the Stark family in Game of Thrones, uh, they always die bad except for the kid and who gets dragged around by the oaf. So we go back to high school and in an unconscionable move, a move that defies all logic, the Shermanator praises Matt Stifler for his behavior at summer camp and allows him to graduate. This is unthinkable. But again, this is this is the Shermanator's thinking moves ahead. Yes, <laughs> On, if you were the guidance counselor, you'd see a sex criminal that d- is deserving of being thrown into the fire. Matt Siffler poisoned his fellow campmates, filmed them performing sex acts, physically assaulted people, said unbelievably hurtful, homophobic, bigoted things, is bad at being in band, was kicked out of the final event. Almost every conceivable metric of his behavior was horrific. He doesn't wear the hat, Josh. I forgot about the hat thing. Oh, I want to, before we forget that, earlier in the movie, and this is very important, Stifler 2 shoves his rookie beanie into his pants and then gives it back to Ernie. And Ernie smells the beanie and is just disgusted by it. So from this we learn, Stifler 2's junk smells terrible. He's not even that disgusted by it. It's just sort of a mild, like, eh. He's but resigned. I, he's Yeah, I think like he's just resigned to abuse in his life. So What I found weird was that he flips it inside out to wear, but how does he know... To me, it seemed like he put it the outside on his dick. Do you, so my question was, do you think Ernie... It seemed like a half-hearted meh. So I'm wondering if Ernie might be a little freak and likes that Stifler junk. And he, like, he likes flipped, that musk, yeah. Yeah, so he likes the musk, and then he flips it inside out to get that musk in his hair. Well, pheromones are pheromones. So, you know, power to you, Ernie. Be I mean, they are roommates. Love you. He probably gets used to it. Yeah. Maybe he associates the sexual promiscuity of Stifler too with his, his the rich tapestry of his pheromones. Anyway, so Stifler sort of learns his lesson and goes, all right, I'm going to delete all these videos. When my genuinely nightmare evil jock friends like badger me about showing this, I'm like, no, guys, I'm not joining the family business. And then we get this little coda where Stifler actually, Stifler 2, performs his act of redemption. But here's, before we get there. I do want to say that I I think it's a bad call to have the plot arc showing his problem be a really bad sex crime where he's filming people. But I do think his journey is 
he's like if you're just talking about like the emotional arc of Stifler 2, it's about a kid who wants to be good and he has had he just is forced to be bad and he finally this is his moment where he gets to change. That's very generous of you. I, I don't think we actually see any of that in the movie. I think they try to sort of lead a breadcrumb of, of towards that emotional revelation, but he is genuinely a horrible person. Like, I don't really know, unapologetic. See, this is what I didn't like about the third one was that Stifler, the whole thing is like him pretending to be good to fuck someone. It's very similar someone, to... It's January Jones. Right, Show I'm some sorry, respect. Jay, Jesus, Jay. God. It, and it's very similar to Stifler 2 pretending to like the band kids... But very quickly, he actually starts liking the band kids, where Stifler never actually becomes the fake thing that's the good thing. And this is why I actually think this is a much better movie than three, because the actual arc is about a person that for years has been doing something that he doesn't want to do. And it takes him doing the thing that he's been avoiding his whole life to see that he actually does want to change. And this is why I was saying the Shermanator does see moves ahead. He does, yes, see a, a sexual you know, deviant, but 30 moves ahead, he sees someone that actually has changed and isn't going to do that anymore and is looking to be a better person and a better band geek. In the same way that Jim does, you you fucking let Jim off the hook, he's basically the same thing. Jim is more of a cowardly doofus who's forced into situations by his own cowardice as opposed to the active mind behind the scheming, which to me does feel like somewhat of a point of demarcation between the two. Yes, but my point is that this is actually an interesting story about someone who's been bullied and beaten down by his family, by his friends, to be something that he isn't. And he he courageously takes the step towards being a band geek, where Jim just like accidentally does the dumb bullshit and then accidentally becomes a band geek. And it's like, it's a flat line. The stiff, the well, fucking well, Stiffmeister. Let, so let's get to it. So Stiffmeister 2 has a beautiful redemption arc where... Of course, by deceiving, as you do with women, he deceives his love interest into going to the famous conservatory, and she gets a nice bit of little physical comedy in there, and it made me yes. feel like Ariel Cadell <laughs> was sort of cheated, because she's actually quite funny. Um, but she realizes that her letter to go to meet with the, the leader of the conservatory is, in fact, a fake. She leaves in an anger, sees Stifler, too, and is like, you piece of shit, you've tricked me, you, you, you cruel, and then she realizes... He's brought the whole band together, and they're playing her composition. It was lovely. And the friggin' doctor, Dr. Choi, I want to say, comes out and is like, this fucking owns. It's baller as fuck. And that rich kid, guess what? Plagiarism. Now you can have the friggin' scholarship. Ugh. And then they kiss. It is pretty beautiful. It is like a weirdly, again, uh, I found the tone of this movie to be a lot darker than the first three, but the yes. resolution, a lot more satisfying. I found it to be darker. I found it to be more... You know, everything felt more important than any of the other three movies. And I, but here's <laughs> that is the thing. an insane thing to say. No, it's I not. Love, I love it. It is. I love that you're doing it. It's, just, I, it's very I, wild. I think the unimportance works in the first one because it's about a bunch of boys learning how to be better boys. And if it were like rubbing in your face how they were bad boys to begin with, it would have been worse. It's the fact that they're Hold fine on, not, boys. This is, this is not a bad boys movie. We already covered that. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, lowercase b bad boys oh okay not police officers but you you know the first the four boys in the first one they're fine boys they're scared boys they're virgin boys and they learn how to be almost men and it's good it's good that it's unimportant it's good that it's lowercase and then i think they really try to amp things up in both two and three in some ways and this is the most dark 
the most like scary in some ways, the most like rubbing it in your face. But I think it really, I don't know. I felt captivated by all the choices that Brad and Rash made. And overall, it's a bad movie, I think. But for an American Pie movie, it's a good movie. And I think it's, it might even be bad if we rewatch the first one, but I think this might be my favorite so far. I mean, that's a wild take. This is easily my least favorite so far, though I admire that this has inspired something in you. Um, now, let, let's close out the episode. We've, we've gone a good 80 minutes on uh, so American Pie, colon, telling Bandcamp. telling the, the beats here that we're now done with the synopsis, done with the analysis, and are ready to close up Why the episode. Why is it better for you to underscore this than it is for me to transition us no, into a new I, segment of the podcast? I think that they're both good. And I'm okay, pointing good. out how good you're being because you're being very good. And I'm just, I'm, I think it's also good when I so tell you that you're your good. you're in your home, in your basement, by your couch that I've slept on. <laughs> I am in my office. Right. I've been for some time. So, yes, we are transitioning to the end. Let's start with MVPs. Uh, no-brainer. Uh, Eugene Levy fucking is the best. If he, if he wasn't in this movie to grant his, his elegance and his grace and to give us those reaction shots of uh, young men's genitals and various odd orifices, I think this would be a lot worse. And I love that he shows up. It is inexplicable and delightful. And he, he, he weaves a dream over us. And I would want to sleep and live in that dream forever. Mm-hmm. I liked Eugene Levy. I think this is my second favorite Eugene Levy performance of the four movies. Um, again, after one. Though he's very good in three, too. He, he's solid. He, I think maybe some of the lines didn't work quite as well as earlier movies, but he's still there. And I love that. I love his intro. Like, I didn't see it coming. I did not know that he was the macro. And when he, when he, like, he, he's in there in the macro office, mwah. but I don't, I'm not going to give him my MVP. I honestly think that what's weird is I do think that Tad and Ariel both did great jobs playing Matt and Elise, but also the guy who is 30 years old in the making of this movie and still pulls off being a band geek is Oliver. I felt everything that he went through, like his hatred. Do you mean Oscar? Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing is he's not fucking... Your big pick is the guy. You don't know his name. (laughs) He's not credited. Yes, he is. Omar Benson Miller plays Oscar. Also, they call him Oscar repeatedly. Wait, where do you see... I'm on IMDb. Cast Omar Benson Miller as Oscar. I'm on Wikipedia. They also call him Oscar a lot. But it says uncredited. Uncredited. He's not in the credits. I mean, that's demonstrably not true. He is in the credits. I'm looking at them. No, but he's on the IMDb credits. He wasn't actually credited in the movie. What are you talking about? Of course he was credited. Anyway, I'll have to look into that. I'll, sh- I'll send a screen cap to you. But he ruled. Uh, Oscar is great. He's my MVP. Oscar was great. Um, so let me ask the obvious question. Are you at this point, knowing that you have just, just, just declared the fourth, the direct-to-video uh, American Pie colon presents colon Bandcamp, are you asking when will it end? Uh I mean, I've done this before where when it reaches the per- the perfect, the apex, I'm like, I'm done. I don't want it to go on because it can't get better than this. But I think it's going to get better than this. And wow. I'm not asking when will it end. Wow. I'm excited for I'm excited. I was I thought I was going to hate all these dumb movies. And I've liked uh, I've liked some of them. Yeah, that's how that's what happened. Uh, I'm on the same page. I, uh, you know, American Pie is really a story about us. This is us. This is America, you know, and Watching it go from strength to strength has been fascinating. Uh, there, there was so much to dig into psychologically and sexually in this movie. And I have to admit something to you. I have sort of cheated for the first time on the podcast. <gasps> I looked at the synopsis of the next movie, not the plot details. Well, yes, the plot details. <gasps> um, 
the second movie in the direct to DVD run, we're going to meet Father of Stifler. Whoa! Which is going to answer so many questions for me. I'm glad you did that because we're done with the episode. You know, we this is the uh, the epilogue, if you will. We finally sure, sure, on. sure. Um, and I think it's fine. We could take a little sneak peek, and we had so many questions about the Stifler family, and right. I'm, I'm ecstatic that we're going to meet the Papa. This is going to be right. great. And interestingly, we're going to now meet uh, another Stifler son. We're done with Matt. Wait, what? Goodbye, many- Matt. Wait, Matt is, is gone. So confusing. We're about to meet John White, starring as Eric Stifler, who I believe settles in for the next two movies. So we're wait, about is he? To- is Eric the father or the the son? Oh, no, oh, sorry. He's a cousin of Stephen Matt's. Okay, okay. Oh, hold on. Never mind. So we're not. Oh, meeting, never mind. We're meeting no. Uncle of Stifler. We're meeting Uncle of Stifler. Okay. My bad. I mean, sorry, everybody. I sorry. That, I got hey, too excited. I guess that means that we can only hope that one day, perhaps in Beta House, perhaps in No, Book Beta House Eli. also features Naked Mile and uh, Beta House both feature uh, uh, Eric Stifler as the All main right. Stifler. So. Well, then perhaps in Book of Love. That's what it's called. Book of Love. Uh, will be... Yes, which we can only hope uh, features the great Casey Affleck. <laughs> the part of the series that has aged the worst. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to end this episode as we do many. We're going to share some of our favorite lines from American Pie Presents Colin Bandcamp. Um, and this, I think in a lot of ways, uh, this direct-to-video movie gave us a lot to, to ruminate on as we go about our lives. Um and I want to share – do you have one picked for you? Because I have a couple I, I thought might be good. Um, I mean, I already did go through the the space one. Um, I really liked that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I – no, I don't. I don't I don't think that there was really – no, I don't like the lines in this movie. Okay. So we'll close the episode on this line from Matt Stifler, again, written by Brad Riddell. Uh, seek out his uh, knowledge and, and let him drink deeply from his vessel – of screenwriting prowess. Matt Stifler, uh, this is from the IMDb Quotes page, bite my nuts and call me Skippy. All right, we'll see you next week for American Pie Presents, colon, The Naked Mile.